0: hey you guys welcome to the empowered podcast hosted by your girl miranda lee i hope you're ready to get confident throw away the all or nothing mindset fully surrender to god and strive to be one percent better every day don't forget you are enough you are worthy and you are loved Alrighty, let's get this party started. What is up, you guys? We have Hallie back again for another interview. I just couldn't get enough for the first two episodes, and so now <laughs> she's back for a third. So welcome back, Hallie. So happy to have you
1: here. It's so wonderful to be back. Thank you for having me, Miranda. So just quick
0: little intro. Um, can you just... For those who haven't listened to the first two episodes, which I'll link in the show notes because they need to listen to it. That's why we're doing a third because we weren't <laughs> able to cover everything. You do a quick little intro of who you are and what you do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a functional medicine, nutrition counselor, and health coach. Um, I Functional medicine is root cause medicine. So instead of playing whack-a-mole with symptoms, we go look at where the root cause is and we put, put that out. A great example is instead of turning the fire alarm off in your kitchen and then letting the fire keep burning, we go put the fire out. So that's kind of who I am and what I do.
0: I love that. And that just goes down to so many things. Like last time we were talking about hormone health and adrenal health. And now we're going to talk about gut health, which for many times is the source of a lot of our issues. So explain what what does it mean if someone says, I'm working on my gut health or I need to work on my gut health. What is
1: gut health? What is gut health? So I'll give you some fun functional medicine facts to help answer that question. So when we talk about your gut, we're talking about your stomach, your small intestine, and your large intestine. But most of the time when we're talking about gut, we're talking about your large intestine, which is where all the magic happens. That's where all your colonocytes live, which is that good bacteria. We also have yeast and fungus and viruses that all live in our gut. And those are all good guys. They're not bad guys, but that's our whole microbiome. And when we think about our microbiome, we as human beings have about 7 trillion, no, sorry, 7 billion human cells. So our skin and our eyes and all the cells that make us human, we have about 7 trillion. We have about 15, wait, sorry, 7 billion. We have about 15 trillion bacteria cells. So we're only like one third human and we're actually two thirds bacteria, which is pretty crazy. And so when someone's working on their gut health, they're working on three things. They're working on the lining of their large intestine. For the most part, our epithelial lining of our large intestine is one cell thick, which is insane. When we think about that super thin skin under our eyes or on the inside of our elbows, that's about 30 cells thick. So to think about our gut health, our gut lining is one cell thick, just super easy to rip holes in that. So they're working on repairing that gut lining. They're working on improving the mucosa lining in that gut, which kind of works like a squishy bandaid in between your gut and all the stuff that's in it. And then they're also working on rebalancing that microbiome to have more of the good stuff and less of the bad stuff.
0: Yeah. There's, there's so much to gut health. I was like, uh, that, that's a lot of, that's a lot of bacteria. That's a lot of cells, but that's why it's so important. It like makes up like, it's like you said, one third of us is bacteria. Yeah. Um, I, I remember, one of my jobs years ago, um, as a personal trainer, I used to do like these motivational emails, um, with the staff and I had, um, mental health Monday, gut health, Wednesday, fitness Friday. Yes. And, like, my, my favorite was gut health Wednesday. And I remember, um, just learning a lot about gut health because there's so much to learn, but one of the most interesting topics about gut health was leaky gut syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you, can you talk about that? Like what it is? And I, one of, before you explain what it is, I read a thing that said we basically all have some type, some severity of leaky gut syndrome. It's not like you have yep. it or you don't. Like no one's perfect, mm-hmm. but, you know, we want to try to be better. So what is leaky gut?
1: Yeah, great question. Yeah, when you think about that epithelial lining is one cell thick, there's absolutely no way that we can not have leaky gut. Like, you know, I can give myself a paper cut and cut through 15 cells in one one fell swoop. And then I'm eating McDonald's French fries. Absolutely. That's ripping my gut apart. So yes, we all have leaky gut to some degree. Um, leaky gut's kind of the colloquial term in the medical side. We call it, um, intestinal permeability, exact same thing. It means that your gut lining has holes in it and stuff is leaking out. So what that means is something has happened between your cells that make up your epithelial lining. Those cells are all held together with what's called a tight gap junction protein. And a lot of times that tight gap junction Protein, say that 10 times fast, uh, will release. And now you have a hole in your gut and stuff is starting to come out. And so what happens is you're now having poop particles, food particles, and bacteria particles that are supposed to be housed in your gut and they're leaking out into the rest of your body. And so what happens when that happens is your immune system, which is designed to neutralize foreign invaders freaks out and goes, Oh, there's a bunch of foreign invaders around our gut. And it's all coming out from our gut. And so your immune system goes and it attacks that and neutralizes the threat. Basically the problem is what it's neutralizing is it's neutralizing food particles, um, that you have been eating. So when that happens, we start to get food intolerances. It's not an allergy, but your immune system is recognizing that food as a foreign invader. And so when people eat that food, their immune system freaks out and they get all sorts of crazy symptoms like eczema and psoriasis. And we had one client whose arms were going numb and super gnarly gas and bloating and chronic fatigue and headaches and all of the things that you can imagine happen when you have the flu, um, the symptoms that you feel when you have the flu are the effects of your immune system trying to neutralize that threat. And so when you have leaky gut and your immune system is trying to neutralize gluten every single time you eat it, um, now you have those symptoms all the time, kind of constantly. So that's sort of what leaky gut is. Three things that typically cause leaky gut are really high acidic foods because acidic foods reduce the mucosal lining in your gut. Our mucosal lining is the most crucial piece of our gut because that is what is the barrier between what's in our gut and our one cell thick epithelial lining. If that mucosal lining gets too small, now we get holes in our gut. So acidic food, um, uh, what we call dysbiosis. So too many of the bad bacteria and not enough of the good bacteria that will cause leaky gut. And then um, eating things that our body is not designed to eat. So things like fake sugar, there's a reason that it doesn't have any calories because your body doesn't recognize it as a food. So those things, which we're doing, all day, every single day, especially in the American kind of standard American diet culture, we're ripping holes in our gut all the time. And then we get all of these downstream symptoms that come from that.
0: Yeah. And like talking about like the, the gluten allergy, like you were saying, I know a lot of people were like, Oh, the gluten allergy, like, isn't real. Like they didn't have that back in the day. Now everyone's allergic to gluten. Well, it makes sense if we're eating all these foreign substances like sugar-free things that are just fake and all these things that are hurting our gut permeability. Of course, we're going to have more people are going to be having reactions to food like gluten and
1: stuff. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Gluten is a really interesting one. So there's gluten allergies, which is called celiac disease. And that's where you truly are allergic to gluten. Your body cannot process it. There's probably, you know, Maybe one in 10 people, it's probably a lower number than that who actually have celiac disease, but then we have this massive influx of people who have gluten intolerance or gluten allergy. And what we're seeing in the research and what we're seeing from a clinical perspective is that's coming from two things. One, gluten is now in absolutely everything. They're putting flour in salad dressing. They're putting flour in potato chips. Like it's in things that it shouldn't be in. So we're exposed to it significantly more than we should be, you know? Gluten should be in bread and pasta and that's about it, but we're getting it in all of these other things. And then if you want to do a fun experiment, you can go read the ingredients on your bread. A lot of breads and kind of wheat based products are now actually adding extra gluten. (laughs) They're literally adding extra gluten protein, um, to make their breads more squishy. So we're just exposed to it way more often. The second reason is, uh, the digestive digestion process of gluten releases an enzyme called zonulin and zonulin tells your tight gap junction proteins in your gut to release. So when you have zonulin running around in your body, even if you don't actually have holes in your gut, your tight gap junction protein is releasing the cells on either side of it. And it's creating a hole in your gut for the time that zonulin is present in your body which is when gluten is present so we have all of this gluten leaking out of our gut and that's what our immune system is going to attack because we have so much of it we're getting that kind of molecular mimicry of um, molecular mimicry basically means your immune system is seeing that gluten protein and going and it's attacking that because we have it in our system so much so between those two things and then the third one is um, we have a lot of clients who in the United States, they have a gluten intolerance and in Europe, they don't. And that's because our wheat genetic modification aside, that's a whole different conversation, but our wheat has been so crossbred for shelf life. Like your bread should not be able to sit on your counter for three weeks and not mold, but it does. Our bread has been so crossbred and, um, optimized for shelf life, that it's actually not even the same molecular structure that it used to be before. And our bodies are slow at picking up what picking up new things. So it takes our body about 150 years to adjust to a new food type. And this type of wheat that's been optimized for shelf life has been around for about 30. So the bread that we're eating, the gluten that we're eating, not only is releasing zonulin, not only is now in absolutely everything but it's also a molecular structure that our body doesn't recognize and so our body is freaking out in all of these ways and that's where we're getting all of these crazy gluten intolerances where in Europe and India we're not seeing that because their wheat hasn't been crossbred into a different molecular structure
0: yeah places where they eat a lot of gluten and they're not the ones having the issue
1: yeah it's so yep. interesting it's super interesting
0: yeah. I mean, I have a gluten intolerance, um, and I've said it a million times. I'm a hundred percent convinced it was t- for being on birth control from 10 year for 10 years that it just completely ruined my gut health. Cause I never yep. had an issue with it before, but it, you know, my sister has celiac disease and yeah. like, that's that celiac. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have, I, I don't have celiac. It's definitely an intolerance. So maybe, um, What tips would you give me or maybe someone else who's trying to, because you know,
1: it can be fixed, right? It can be fixed. Yeah. I had a gluten intolerance for about 10 years that I thought was celiac. Um, I never had a scope, but I like my reactions were so severe and going through the gut healing process. I can now eat gluten and I have zero reactions because it's all staying in my gut. So what do you do, um, to heal your gut? It's a five-step process. Most people get stuck on the first So the first step is elimination. So we need to get the stuff out that's causing issues so that your body can actually heal. A great example is like, you know, if you fall down and scrape your knee on the sidewalk, step one is to pick your knee up off the sidewalk, like remove the thing from you that's causing the issues. So step one is remove. And that's where a lot of people stop. You know, they take gluten out of their diet. They take dairy out of their diet. They take whatever they're having reactions to out of their diet and they never eat it again. That's not where we want to end up. We want to be able to eat those foods because they're actually important from a nutritional perspective, but we have to get them out for a short period of time so that your body can heal. So step one is remove step two is repair. So, um, same thing for using your knee on the sidewalk as an example, your knee has to grow that skin back over, has to create a scab, has to scar, and then it heals back together. That's the same thing that has to happen in your gut. Your epithelial lining is like skin. And so the best way to do that is to put a band-aid over it. The band-aid doesn't heal it, the band-aid just allows it to heal without causing more damage. So repair, we're going to allow your gut epithelial lining to heal, and we're going to build that mucosal lining back up. And one of the things that we use. Um, we use a supplement called Zymogen, so called glutamine glute alamine and cell glutamine and aloe vera. And we do that 20 to 30 minutes before a meal, you eat that, it goes down into your large intestine. It creates kind of a barrier for that food. And it's like a band Um, and that's how we do it. Similar, like if you break your arm, you put your arm in a cast for six weeks and it heals. Your body's going to heal itself. But we can't do that for your gut. You can't not eat for six weeks. You'll die. So we have to create that lining. So remove, repair. Then we want to replace a lot of people who are dealing with gut issues, especially who have been eating a standard American diet are low in digestive enzymes and low in stomach acid. Um, one of the interesting misconceptions, people who deal with GERD or acid reflux actually most of the time have low stomach acid, not high stomach acid. And so when you have low stomach acid and you have low digestive enzymes, your body's not breaking that food down enough so that when it gets to your gut, it's still too whole and it's going to poke holes in your bacteria. It can't deal with it. So that replace is increasing your stomach acid most of the time, unless they have too much, and then getting some digestive enzymes in there to help your body with this breakdown process. And then the third step is re-inoculate. Um, we want to get that dysbiosis rebalanced. So we want to get rid of the bad bacteria. We want to repopulate it with good bacteria. And when I say bacteria, I actually mean bacteria, yeast, and fungus. We want all three of those things. So repopulate, and then we start to reintroduce and we start to reintroduce foods that we think probably won't be an issue. And we see how your body responds. And we do that over the course of three days. And then we add another food and another food and another food and another food. And, another food, and that gives us a pretty good picture. If you have a reaction, your gut's not healed yet. So then we can go back if we need to, but for the most part, if we do that process over the course of 30 to 120 days, depending on how jacked up a person's gut is, um, we see food intolerances for the most part disappear.
0: That's awesome. And I think that's so cool hearing that, like, this is something you did as well. Like that's crazy.
1: It is crazy. I man. So what got me into functional medicine, I had the worst gut health Um, from years of stress. And like, I always ate well, I grew up in a family that we ate really healthy, um, but we had no grid for gut health. Like I wasn't eating prebiotics and probiotics and then stress will really mess up your gut. So I ended up in a place where um, like if I ate gluten, my eyes would swell shut. I was, I had, yeah, I had the, the list of foods that I could eat was easier to explain than the list of foods that I couldn't eat because it was longer. Like I was just a mess. I had the worst farts you've ever smelled in your life. I mean, they were <laughs> like clear the room kind of horrible. Um and I basically got told by my doctors, like I went to a couple traditional doctors, a couple GI doctors and a, a naturopath, and they were like, yeah, you know, this is just going to be the rest of your life. You know, like chicken and lettuce is what your body can digest. So get used to eating chicken and lettuce. And I went, that cannot be the answer. There has got to be something else. So that was about 15 years ago. Now I sort of stumbled my way into functional medicine, looking for answers. Um, and here I am, but yeah, it's very healable. And I, I was, I was not good. It was not good.
0: So what if someone like, doesn't know what their body is negatively responding to? Like they have, let's say, you know, fatigue, let's say eczema um for GI health and they're like mm, something's wrong with my gut health. Should they still go through what are they? Five Rs? Is that mm-hmm. what you went through? Five Rs? Should they yep. still go through the five Rs? Or is, is there a slightly different path to take
1: if you don't know what your body is struggling to digest? Great question. The five Rs are the gold standard for healing and gut health. So um, you know there are like blood tests out there that you can do to get food intolerances. They're not very accurate and they're super expensive and they actually only test for allergies, not intolerances. And people get super wrapped around the axle with that. Like I'll have people come to me who've taken one of those tests and they're like, yeah, I can't eat any of these things. And I say, I actually think you can just not right now. So when someone's dealing with that eczema, psoriasis, gas and bloating, all of those things, the five R's is where we're going to start. The gold standard for determining food intolerances is the elimination food plan. Cause we take out all of kind of the high flyers. And then once we have all the high flyers out, then we can figure it out. Um, but really once we get those other four rs your repair, your replace, your reinoculate, those guys are going to heal your gut. And then when we reintroduce things, you're going to be fine. And so really to do the five hours, you don't necessarily have to know the whole list of stuff that you can't eat. It's the, the process will help you understand that.
0: So then what do you do? If you reintroduce something, you know, you're on the last step, you reintroduce something and your body has a bad reaction to it. Do you start? over or how do you go about that?
1: Great question. So when we're in that reintroduce phase, we reintroduce one food at a time for three days at a time. And so if we reintroduce something and you have an immediate reaction, we say, okay, we don't need to test that anymore. We're just going to take it out and we're going to take it out for another 30 days, just that one food. We're going to keep reintroducing things, but we're also going to stick with our original protocol And then we're going to try adding that thing back in. If we do that three times, so three sets of 30 days, and you're still having a reaction that tells us that that's actually probably an allergy, not an intolerance because an allergy is very different. an allergy is a histamine reaction. It's not an immune system reaction. So that tells you, okay, you actually have a strawberry allergy, stay away from strawberries. Um, But if we add that in at the end of 30 days, that could also be telling us that we just, we're, we're not quite healed on your gut. You know, like that scab on your knee might be partially formed, but you might've picked part of it off. So let's keep going with that healing process. And the time that it takes someone's gut to heal is variant based on their body. Um, a great, you know, kind of guideline is if you have a really deep cut, how long does it take you to heal? Some people take about a month to totally heal that. And it's back to normal. Some people take three months. And so, your body's going to take a different amount of time to heal. So if you add something back in and you have a reaction, we might just have, like, we maybe just haven't finished that healing process. We have to keep going.
0: Mm, That's good to know. That's that's really good to know because it might be discouraging if you add something back and you're like, oh man, like I'm still, I'm still reacting to it. But yeah, yeah, those are, those are some great tips. I think, um, I think my husband needs to do that because I think (laughs) He thinks that eczema and um, stinkiness is completely normal. And no. I don't think it is.
1: <laughs> definitely not.
0: It's, it's, not. Definitely it's not. not. And that's the thing I think a lot of people think that just because they're eating healthy, that they should have good gut health. And first of all, a lot of people have a skewed mindset when it comes to what health is. I was actually mm-hmm. kind of laughing at myself the other day because um, there, you know, the whole baby food recall and there being high (sighs) amounts of metal. Um, you know, I feed my son the things that I eat. So I'm not buying baby food, but I was still like looking through the list. And one of it was like the organic rice cakes that I've always eaten. And in my head, I'm thinking, well, not now, but back then <laughs> during my, my dieting time, I would think, oh, I'm eating rice cakes, so I'm healthier because I'm not eating bread. Just to t- turn around and find out now that, you know, rice is high in arsenic. These rice cakes in particular are just high in heavy metals. And yep. that bread was actually the healthier option just because bread is higher in calories does not mean it is healthier for me and my body. So I think a lot of people need to realize that just because something is lower in calories, like these sugar-free things doesn't mean mm-hmm. it is healthier for your
1: body. So well said. I couldn't have said that better. Yeah. Yeah. Healthy doesn't equal good for your body. And you can have been eating healthy your whole life. Like I grew up in Boulder, Colorado. I got sent to school with hemp soup. Like I was not a Pringles kid. <laughs> I had, Mm -hmm. I had really good, healthy food my entire life. And I like my gut still got super jacked up because of other things, because of stress, because of hormone imbalance, because of all of these pieces. So yeah, healthy, healthy eating doesn't equal a healthy gut. It's helpful, but they're not, Mm -hmm. they're not equal.
0: Yeah. And like another thing with people who think they're eating healthy is they're meal prepping and they're eating the same exact thing every day. And while I guess from a caloric standpoint, that's quote unquote healthy, but your body needs a variety of, of different foods needs all the different colors of the rainbow. It helps, you know, create more good bacteria and stuff. So to just eat chicken rice and broccoli every day um, is not good for your gut health in the long run.
1: No, it's not good for your gut health. And it's a great way to set yourself up to be intolerant to something. Like with all of the mm-hmm. almond stuff, we're now starting to see massive, you know, intolerances to almonds because we have almond milk and almond bread and almond flour. And if it's gluten-free, it's probably made with almonds. Almonds are fantastic. They're a really good, healthy food. Um, but not when you eat them eight times a day in various different forms, your body has to have that variety and it has to be able to, to kind of recalibrate itself.
0: Wow. You really have me thinking now with the whole. Like my own gluten intolerance, like another thing that probably really led to it was the intense dieting I did in high school and college. That's when mm-hmm. my gluten intolerance started, so you know, yep. no wonder my body's having a hard time processing bread and wheat when I was just destroying my my gut health with things that I thought were healthy that were actually not very healthy at all.
1: yep, well said, yeah, there's a lot of things we do to our bodies because we think they're good and and they're not, and we have to have grace for ourselves in those places. You know, like you don't know what you don't know, and so you don't need to beat yourself up for what you didn't know. But now that you do know, we're going to do something different.
0: Exactly, just taking small steps in the right direction. I um I read this um, little quote today on Instagram, and it was essentially saying that you know we're so worried about like our kids or you know even us eating, let's say like. Let's say, like a big ice cream sundae, or you know, something super sugary, right? But we're not worried about all the sugar and added things and everyday things like condiments, like ketchup, and <laughs> all of these things that we're eating every day, we don't even notice. And you know, our body was built to respond to like the occasional sugar overload, but not the sugar that's in our everyday things that we are constantly consuming. I'm sure that's another reason why our gut health is pretty crappy in this day and age than it used to be.
1: Yeah. That's a huge piece. Sugar feeds the bad bacteria. We know that when someone's dealing with C diff, they're on a zero sugar diet because sugar feeds the bad stuff. When someone's dealing with yeast infections, like kind of recurrent yeast infections, sugar feeds that when someone's dealing with a candida overgrowth, sugar feeds that. And you're so right. There is absolutely no reason for pasta sauce to have sugar in it. It doesn't need it. There is no reason for bread to have sugar in it. All of these things. One of the things that I teach my clients and I know you do too, is like turn the thing around and read the ingredients on the back. If it's like mustard, it shouldn't have sugar. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like you can get a mustard that tastes just as good and doesn't have sugar, but these food companies put sugar in their foods because it's addictive and they want you to buy more of it. Like it's not to make it taste better. It's literally to get you addicted to it so that you keep buying that same brand. They don't care about you or your health or your body. They just care about their bottom line and their marketing. And if you're addicted to their product, that's a really good thing for them.
0: Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. i've I've really been into um making sourdough bread lately it's like my new hobby it's it's so cool and it's crazy that there's literally two ingredients it's like the wheat and water if you even count that as an Uh ingredient and it's like dang if you look at the back of you know the ingredients on bread like there's like so many ingredients in it. And like, first of all, no wonder I don't have that big of a reaction to sourdough. Um, but also, you know, tell me if this is true. I've heard that sourdough is, does not have high amounts of gluten because of the
1: fermentation process. Correct. Yep. Yeah. The yeast as it ferments breaks down the gluten protein. So people, a lot of people who have gluten intolerances can eat sourdough just fine. Okay, and good. sourdough, so I eaten is sourdough every day. Yes, <laughs> it's super good. And it's actually really good for your gut health because it has probiotics in it. Sourdough is one of the best probiotic foods that you can eat. And that's what we that's used awesome. to eat more often than not. Like when people made bread for the majority of our history, it was a sourdough base. We weren't making this like bread in a bread maker. That lasts on the counter for six weeks stuff. It's, it's a totally different food. And yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, that's
0: it. It's crazy because, like, my diet brain still sometimes takes over, like, you shouldn't be eating bread every day. I'm just like, who ca-? like, no, I I'm one who made it, so I know the ingredients or ingredient because it's literally one ingredient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and And like you said, like there's so many like benefits to sourdough and just because it's labeled as bread doesn't mean it's unhealthy. So there's so much retraining we have to do in our brain because, you know, we go, we go out to eat and we're like, oh, I'm going to get a diet Coke, but I'm being good because it's diet and there's not calories or sugar. It's like, no, but it's still not good for your gut health. And it would be so much better just to have that glass of real Coke every mm-hmm. once in a while than drinking diet Coke every night and thinking that that's, you
1: know, healthier and you're making the better, the better choice. Well said. So well said. Yeah. You're triggering an immune response. We have links now between diet soda and autoimmune diseases. People who drink diet soda all the time end up with really crazy autoimmune diseases a lot because they're not getting calories, but they're triggering their immune system. However many times a day they drink that. Yep. Yep. I had a client one time who was super addicted to diet Coke, and I told her I was like, "I would actually rather you have a real Coke. Same thing you just said." And she was like, "Oh my gosh, I can't It has so much sugar." And I was like, "Okay, well cool, how about you have a Coke once every three weeks when you really want one, instead of just drinking it to drink it?" And she switched and she doesn't have any diet soda anymore. And I'm so proud of her. And she's lost weight since she stopped drinking diet soda because her body's not holding on to chemicals. That's a whole nother conversation, but yeah, it's crazy.
0: I was just about to ask you a question about that. (laughs) It's going to bring it on a a whole tangent for part two, but (laughs) I guess quickly in a, in a small nutshell, how does our gut health affect, you know, weight loss, weight gain? Um, you know, I gut health is not just another, another diet, you know, the, the five R's to heal your gut is, is not another diet. You guys, it is just a way to, to fix and and help your health for the long run it just does take mm-hmm. a little bit of of work but it is not a diet but fixing your gut health can help you probably find your your set weight point
1: your set point yeah weight. yeah well said it's not a diet it's a short-term healing plan. a lot of times we see people so okay the short version um. When you're dealing with poor gut health, you are also dealing with chronic inflammation. An immune response to foreign invaders leaking out of your gut is an inflammatory response. And when you're dealing with an inflammatory response, that is a fight or fight flight response in your body. And in order to survive, your body needs to have as many calories as it possibly can in order to save your life and get you through that fight or flight situation. And so when you have poor gut health and your body is triggering that fight or flight response, every single time you eat, your body is going to hold on to every single calorie that it possibly can, regardless of how many calories you're eating. And so it can make it really hard to lose weight because your body is trying to keep you alive because your body thinks you're running away from a saber tooth tiger, like every couple hours, Um, your body does not know the difference between, fighting the stuff leaking out of your gut and, you know, a black bear jumping out from your trash can it's the same thing. And so, getting your body into that rest and digest space from the inside, helping your body know that it doesn't have to fight itself every single time you eat, will help you lose weight significantly faster because your body will go, "Oh, oh I'm safe. Okay, I don't I don't need all these extra all these extra pounds. I don't need all these extra calories. I can get rid of that because I don't have to save it for an emergency." super well said.
0: Yeah. And you know, that ties in with the, the stress, like, yep. you know, your body's in fight or flight if you're constantly stressed. So that's, I can totally see how stress is a big key to, you know, your, your gut health and why your body holds on to weight. So, you know, if, <laughs> if you're struggling with your gut health, you got to get your mental health in check too, because stress is a, is a big factor.
1: Yes. It's huge. Yeah. If you're struggling to lose weight and you, you aren't losing weight and you can't figure it out, stop going to the gym for a little bit, start a meditation practice for three days, try it for three days. I can almost promise you, if you reduce your stress, you'll lose a couple pounds.
0: Love that. It's, it's so true. People think, you know, health and fitness is just like in the gym. Um, and it's not, and it's not even just in the kitchen, in the gym, it's also has to do with your mental health so right for anyone who is struggling with their gut health which is probably everyone at some extent everyone needs to work on their gut, gut health a little bit um and let's say this, this podcast is the first thing they've ever heard about gut health what are like maybe your three top tips to work on your gut health what's something they can take away and start doing
1: today Yeah, great question. So a prebiotic food and a probiotic food every single day. Um, I can send you a link to like a free download where you can get a list of that. So a prebiotic food are the good, the fibers that feed the good bacteria in your gut, things like jicama and asparagus, those kinds of things. And then a probiotic food like kefir or kimchi or sauerkraut or fermented tempeh, something like that. One of those foods every single day will help keep your gut populated with the good stuff and then feed the good stuff. So that's a super easy one. Um, and then reduce your stress. You taking three deep breaths in the middle of your day helps your body heal. And your body's always trying to heal. Like if you have gut permeability, your body's trying to fix that right now. It's just not set up super well to do that. So those three things are kind of simple everyday tips that you can start moving in the right direction.
0: Awesome. I'll put that, um, link in the show notes so people can get that freebie. So prebiotic probiotic reduce stress. Yep. Um, I, I think my last question, uh, how does water intake affect your gut health? If it even does.
1: Man. I mean, massively we're 80% water and our cells are a large part of that. And so if you have healthy cells, I mean, you can even look at it on your face. Like if your face is looking kind of dried out, so is your gut. And it's really hard to heal if you're dried out. So drink water. Cause it helps your body do everything that it needs to do.
0: Awesome. Just another reason why you need to drink water. Everyone, just drink your dang water. You can't survive off of iced coffee alone, <laughs> even nope. though it would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly can't. But when the ice melts, it's water, right? <laughs> totally.
1: <laughs> I had a client one time, as I know, who I asked how much water she drank. And she's like, Well, I drink three cups of coffee and two LaCroix a day. And I was like, Is that it? She's like, Yeah, that's it. I was like, Okay, let's start. There. Oh, man. <laughs> I can't fix anything until we fix that. Yeah. Yeah. LaCroix and coffee do not count. They are liquid. They are not hydrating.
0: So, you know what, then, then how is, um, those like carbonated drinks that are zero calorie, like, like LaCroix or soda water, um, does that, does carbonation and stuff affect your gut health at all? And does it somewhat count toward your water intake if it's not like a, a soda, if a it's soda. just like a
1: carbonated water. It is better than soda. It is not as good as water. Um, you know, we have clients who love beer, and so we'll have them switch a lookroy for a beer three days a week, and that significantly helps with a lot of things. Um all of those, for the most part, all of those, there's one brand that actually has real fruit juice in it and the name Spindrift. Spindrift is actually just carbonated water and some real fruit juice. It has no sugar. That one is awesome. The LaCroix and the Waterloo's and all of those brands, what you see on the back is called natural flavoring. And if you pour that LaCroix on a plate and let it evaporate, you're going to be left behind with this kind of white, crystally thing. Super fun experiment if you have kids at home. That's a great, like, at home experiment. That white, crystally thing we know causes kidney stones um, and mineral imbalances. It pulls calcium out of your bones. So um, it's a pretty minimal amount. It's not great if you're going to drink a couple of LaCroix a week, you're totally fine. If you're relying on LaCroix for your water intake, you're probably in trouble. Okay. That's good. That's
0: good to know. So <laughs> yeah, are two cups of coffee, three cups of coffee and two LaCroix a day. Uh, not a win, not a not win, a win. <laughs>
1: not a win.
0: <laughs> awesome. So how can um, my audience connect with you and reach out to you and find you on social media?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we're on Instagram at Live Nourished Coaching. We're also on TikTok now at Live Nourished Coaching. Um, you can go to our website, live nourished coaching.com, L-I-V-E-N-O-U-R-I-S-H-E-D coaching.com. Um, on that website, you can book a free consult. And then Miranda, for your audience, I'll get you a link to for a um, it's usually 99, but we have a an option for a $27 like DIY 30-day gut fix that I can get to you as well. So people can, you know, if they need some place to start, don't start with Google, start with that.
0: Okay. Awesome. We will, we will link that in the show notes. So everyone can do that because I think that is so important. That should be everyone's new year's resolution is to fix their gut health and learn more about their gut health. So thank you. Thank you for teaching us all of this. (laughs) Thank you for having me on. It's always so fun to be with you. Yeah. We'll probably have you on again. You'll be my 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 most (laughs) recommended podcast guest.
1: (laughs) I would love that. I'd be honored.
0: Thanks so much, Hallie.
1: Thanks, Miranda.